Hey everyone, my name is Matt Phelan. I am your host today of the Happiness and Humans podcast. I'm here with an amazing human being, Shofi, um, who I'm going to get to introduce himself. Thanks, Matt, and thank you for having me um, back on. It's always an absolute pleasure just to have a conversation with you. Like I said, my name is um, Shafiq Belusi. I'm the founder of Mindset Shift, which is a leadership development company focused on coaching workshops, culture improvement, growth, and change, and a podcast host <laughs> of the Everyday Leadership Podcast. So to give everyone the context on, on why I'm so Shopee's made it into an elite group now of, 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 of only three people so far that are back for a second time. But I was on uh, Shopee's podcast and we were just chatting um, and I was sort of reflecting on, on this podcast, Happiness in Humans, about how the amazing experience I've got from learning from my guests. Yeah. And it's this unique time where I get to sit with someone for 30 minutes. I ask them two or three questions. They're experts in their field and I just get this amazing amount of learning. And what we were saying off air is that even if I never put the podcast live, I would recommend someone to start a podcast, aka meet amazing experts in their field um, and and just listen to what they've got to say because there's so many people um, that are prepared to do that and I do it vice versa. If people do drop me a note, I do try and make people 20, 30 minutes where I can. So I'm sure I'm not the only person that does that. But I wanted Shopee to come back on to talk about his experience of the podcast um, and without planning, just think about some of those standout learning points. So the first question, Chopi, is does that does my story of hosting a podcast resonate with you or have you or you think it are oh, you're talking crap, Matt? Like what, what what's going on in your head when you're when you're thinking about your own podcast? No, that actually resonates with me. That's that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast in the first place. I mean, I had the idea around podcasting years ago. And then I kind of got busy and, and I parked it. And then in 2019, I said, right, I'm, I'm definitely going to do this. I was like, I had this. In fact, I spent time and money getting a logo design and all that kind of stuff done. And in February 2020, I recorded my first one in a studio. Yeah. And then in March, the pandemic hit. So I was like, obviously, you can't go to a studio anymore. You can't. So I just kind of parked it to the side. Yeah. So... But I was like, actually, you know what? I really want to have great, amazing conversations with people to learn from. And the premise of why I called Everyday Leadership is that a lot of times when we see people who are doing amazing things and we just think, wow, I can't get there because this person's special. Or I can't get there because this person has this privilege. Or, and I want to have those real talk conversations to understand people's journey, understand their experiences, listen to them share their knowledge yeah. Then on the back of that, it gets you that actually, you know what? That person navigated through that fear, that failure, that insecurity. That person didn't always get it right. They're very similar to my story. I can do that. Therefore, you yeah. learn that actually leadership is not about the title, the position. It's about the, the mindset, about the mentalities, about the experiences. I mean, you're a great example when, when we are on. People might look at you and think, wow, Matt, you, you co-founded your second company. You sold your first one you must come from privilege. And then you listen to your story like, actually, you know, far from it. You understand the different risks that you've had to take. You understand what you've had to grow, even how things came about. 
how you move from one thing to the other. You understand actually there's situations that you were in where you had to question yourself, do I really want to keep on doing this or do I want to walk away from this? Do I want to face really cute? So it's those kind of things that you learn like, wow, that's very similar to my story because we all have things that we can all resonate with. Mm. That's what the, the podcast is about. Let's just learn from people. Let's hear what they have to say and then use that to help us and fuel us to move forward. A, pers- a personal question, Shopee, that I, I haven't told you that I'm going to ask you, because I asked you beforehand whether you had a co-founder um, and and you said no. Uh, mm. I can't imagine ever not having a co-founder, right, because I really enjoy having people to bounce stuff off and, and so on, which I'm, I'm sure you can do without a co-founder. But it's a question that I ask CEOs a lot. Do you find it lonely not having a co-founder? So... I'm going to say yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in the sense that you don't have that person to bounce the ideas of exactly what you just said. And because you're then always trying to get a 360 view of every single thing that you're doing. And with that in mind, what I've had to do or I've done previously anyway was I have people around me that I have conversations with. So it's when I'm going to do something, I run it past a group of my friends or like, right, and we're in different spaces, um, different industries. And four of them are now um, entrepreneurs, and one of them still works in, in the corporate world. But it's that different perspective that I put in there, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this, or what do you think about this idea? And we just bounce, go back and forth. So that's what I get from those set of friends. I also have my wife who lives and operates in a completely different world to what I do. So when I'm talking about stuff, she has a completely different perspective, which again is refreshing. So that's where the no bit comes into where, because I don't have a co-founder, I've, I've surrounded myself intentionally with other people who can help me to give me that perspective of approaching things slightly differently or their own opinions of like, you know, actually it's how I see things. Like, ah, okay, that's how this piece of information comes across. That's how this content comes across. And then it's like, do I still want to post it, don't I? Ah, I might as well try, things like that. But that's where that element is coming through for me. The key word I want to pick out there before we uh, get on to everyday leadership is you said I the people you, you there's an intention around the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So people sometimes talk about you're like the average of the, the, the people you spend the five amount five the, the five people you spend the most time amount with you're the average of them you is what you t- tend to end up. Yeah. Have you have you thought about that then? Is that can you just can I just draw out of you a bit more on that because I find that fascinating yeah i've i guess i've subconsciously actually created that where the people that i surround myself with are people who are constantly learning constantly seeking and people who constantly and consistently challenge me and i challenge them and that's where that growth happens and it's also trying to put myself in environments of people that i know i mean there's a there's an um, organization I work with and I'm a partner in now. And literally, when I start working with them, most of them have like Harvard, Yale, Oxford degrees and been doing this for years. And when I first stepped into that environment, I was like, whoa, like this, this that, that imposter syndrome kicked in for them. It was like, these people have so much more experience than so me. Important, so let me catch that. So you felt imposter syndrome did kick in at that point? It's at that point, I'm like, these people have so much more experience than me. A lot of them are authors, the well-renowned in their field, all that kind of stuff. Then, so actually, I have something to offer here. That's why they've asked me to join them. 
I have my own way of operating. I have my own zone of genius that I bring into this, which they don't have. And yeah. if I lean more and more into that, as well as learning from them, I get the perfect balance. And that's yeah. what that whole surrounding yourself with other people are. Well, you surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, but you're still bringing yourself into those environments because yeah. you still have something to offer. Your unique experience is something that's very valuable. So you recognize that in one hand, and then you hold the other hand of humility where I don't know everything, I need to learn more. And when you have both of them together, that's how you get that growth. I love that. Um, and thanks for confirming that, like, as we all have that imposter syndrome. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear. It's good when you hear other people, it's good to hear that because it's, I'm sure everyone has it. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm not even going to get onto the first question yet because there's another bit I want to pick out there, show people you're talking about. Have you had to do the reverse, as in you've added people to your, let's call it sphere of influence or whatever? Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked at a relationship and thought, this is toxic or actually I need to step away from this person and, and, and the way that they're influencing my world and my and my thinking. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, one of my things, my comment is called mindset shift for a reason, because I'm very cognizant of the fact that a lot of the thoughts that we put into our minds is where our action, where your mind goes, your action flows. That's how I see that it. Again. How... Say that again, I love that. Say that again. Where your mind, where your mind goes, your action flows. Love that. So, and that's how I see life. So it's, if I have people who are influencing me in the wrong way, then I'm gonna do the wrong things. I'm not gonna do anything at all. So there are a number of other communities or WhatsApp groups that I've had to either exit or I have them permanently on mute. So probably once every six months, I might go in and check (laughs) check in on those groups. But apart from that, they're not places or spaces that I am regularly getting involved in at all because it just doesn't serve me it holds me back and hinders me yeah and have you ever had to do it with an individual i have and it was it's it's never easy and in fact that that person was someone who i've known for for years but then i recognized that just because i've known that person for years doesn't mean that we look at life in the same way so I'm just trying to level up and keep on growing and keep on doing things. And that person was very much wedded to who they were and just yeah. staying at that level in that position. And it's something a trap I see happen time and time again, where because of it's an old friendship, you just stay stuck with that person. And yeah. what happens is that person keeps on pulling you down without you recognizing it. Yeah. And I made that decision, have that conversation that, listen, we keep on, we'll talk about different things and either you won't execute on stuff or I'm sharing stuff with you and it's always negative and it, honestly, it's not really helpful. So how about we just kind of just, we're still friends, but we're going to change our, our dynamics of our relationship because yeah. it's not even me right now. And it wasn't an easy conversation to have with that person, but it was necessary for my growth. And they didn't see it at first. And they're like, what are you doing that for? You're acting all proud and you think you're this, you think you're that. I'm like fair enough <laughs> but i need to do what's best for me and for my family and i have to step away i the reason i asked chef is it comes up a lot when we're talking about culture and, and and one of the things we talk a lot is how trying to pretend there's this life and then there's a work thing and they're separate and it it comes up a lot when people are talking about what what makes them happy what makes them unhappy and so on and and that we know in our data the number one thing that that is the driver of happiness is relationships yeah but that also can be the reverse. So relationships can also be what's making you unhappy. So it's for, for me to hear how you did that and how you spoke to someone, I think and hope 
that someone's listening if they resonated on the first part of the conversation that actually there is someone in their life that that they that they're feeling that about that they can take the inspiration from you that you actually could have a conversation and the other bit i take from that for the listeners is that the first reaction wasn't great like it might not necessarily go well straight away but over time hopefully relationships can reset or but sometimes you need to move on so that's really powerful um so but you're so let me just get this straight so the, the business is mindset mindset shift yeah the podcast is everyday leadership yeah now um let's when i when you when i took when i mentioned the podcast uh, and i know it's, you've got like me you've got a couple of children and you can't pick a favorite when you think when you think of your podcast right is there, is there a standout bit in there where you think oh that bit that person said that like you know when you get something that's just like oh wow it's a mindset almost a mindset shift for you have any of your guests on everyday leadership given you a mindset a mindset shift they have and it's it's, it's definitely a hard one so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna this I'm gonna start with the, the first one I published yeah um, was with someone who's now become a friend of mine um, Jennifer Garver Berger and reason why that one was very special not only the fact that it was the first one I put out but it was I didn't know her so she published on, and I don't know how I'm connected with her on LinkedIn I, really, I still to this day don't understand how but yeah. she published, wrote this article um, in June last year, um, around um, how she's feeling around um, inclusion, race, all the different things happening in the States. She's, she's from the US, but she lives in the UK now. And it was this very open, raw, vulnerable piece. And as I read it, I was like, I had so many different questions like, you're a highly educated, published professor in your field, and you're writing this, talking about as a white woman, here's how I feel about racing and all that kind of stuff and her perspective. So I literally hit up on, on LinkedIn. I was like, would you love to, would you, I would like to have a conversation with you to explore this further on my podcast. How do you feel about that? I was expecting her to say no, because it's like, well, I'm going to want to talk to a stranger I don't know about this topic that can actually blow up in my face. Like, yeah. especially in the height of council culture as well. But she's like, yeah, let's do it. And on that on that podcast, we had a great conversation where she talked about stumbling and failing and picking yourself back up again when it comes to trying to figure out what the right thing, the right approach is for your people, for your culture around creating inclusion and being okay with that as a leader. And that for me really, really stood out because it's one of the biggest fears I've seen with a lot of leaders. Mm. Where, regardless whether you take inclusion out of it, if you're talking about hybrid working or remote working, the fear back in the day before the pandemic was around lack of trust, micromanagement. Leaders were scared. So anything that's very complex, emergent, uncertain, a lot of leaders and organizations kind of took a step back from it. Like, we don't want to do that. She was the complete opposite, where she's like, okay, we're gonna mess up. I'm telling you from now, this is this we're gonna mess this up. We're not gonna get it right, but we care. And we really want to do something about this and we want to be intentional about it. And most important, we just want to talk about it. Our actions 
need to be matching our words, if not, if not more. And yeah. that really stood out to me. That really resonated with me. And from then and from those words, it's it's one of the models I've used a lot of times when I talk about authenticity with, with work. So that was one that really stood out to me having on there. Um, there was another one with, I'm going to go with um, Dave McQueen. Yeah. Um, a great conversation around being a servant leader. What does, Dave, what does Dave do just so we understand the background? He's also a coach. So Dave's a, um, an exec coach as well. He's a speaker, um, runs a company with, with his wife. And um, apart from a lot of laughter, there's something that he shared around around marriage and the relationship he has um, with his wife. And they've been together now for about, 20, about 26 years. And he was talking about how he recognised the fact that there are certain elements that his his wife is stronger than, on, um, at him at. And a lot of times he just falls back and lets her take the lead. Mm. And to hear him share that and how that operates, not just in, in their business, but in their, in their marriage, of knowing I'm good at this and this is going to be my area I'm operating. I'm not good at this, but I'm not going to have that whole macho man ego. I'm the man. I'm actually going to fall back and, and let my wife take the lead and how that's made such a massive difference in the way that they communicate, in the way that they run their successful business, in the way that they're pairing the two children. That was really, really um, powerful to hear and I really loved, loved that take on it. And then Meg stood out to me as well. So Meg Zaniti Wamti, I think her last name is. So she's 23, 23, 24. Yeah. Um, and she runs um, a company that's focused on mental health. Yeah. And I think now they have the biggest, the largest mental health organization in Europe. Wow. What's the organization called? Uh, I know you're going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to it. We can come back to it. I'll, I'll look it up whilst you talk. Um, and the reason why it's called Mind, Mind Mapper, that's it. That's sure, it. yeah. Um, and that came about because she's had her own issues from when she was young. And I was blown away by the stats when she was sharing me how difficult it was to get access to mental health, especially as, as a young person. And she was sharing, and she was really, really open. She shared how she um, almost committed suicide, um, or not, she tried to commit suicide twice. Yeah. Just because she didn't have access to um, to help, and and how that actually transformed her her mind and got her to actually create this company, and now she's making a difference to the lives of thousands and thousands of, of young people. And that is, I want to talk about you using your own pain to become a resource and and a, and a purpose of you making an impact to other people. That was so, so powerful just to hear her share. Like I said, she's so young, yet the way she's approaching things, people, governments that she's working with, and just been like, this is not okay. And I'm not gonna just sit back and rest because people are telling me I'm too young to do this. People are telling me there's no resources. I'm gonna fight and do whatever I can to make sure that other people don't go through what I've gone through. That one's... Yeah, like I said, that still really sticks out to me. And I guess the last one I want to go with is an episode which is not out yet. I think my, it's going to be out in about two weeks. So in about two weeks, I am celebrating release, uh, releasing 50 episodes. I saw that. I saw that. You're up for 49. I thought this is a big yeah. one. 
and for that one, I decided to do something different, and I interviewed my wife. Wow. Yeah, and um, we just had fun. It was yeah. it was great just to be able to share that moment with the person who, when it comes to everything I I talk about, like my wife has been my, in a sense, my teacher. <laughs> like our. I mean, I've known my wife for 18, yeah, 18, 19 years. So half my life, like I've known her, I've known her for. And throughout that period of time, we have learned so much. When it comes to like active listening, really learning how to really listen to someone, that came through our relationship. When it comes to um, listening, it's communication, pride, ego. When it comes to being inclusive in your own home, when it comes to creating psychological safety and trust, a lot of those principles came because of our relationship. And she, she, we learned through each other and how we've navigated. Even being a parent, when I talk about authenticity and action over words, a lot of that came through them. My value is saying that I want to be a parent that my kids can never look up to me and be like, daddy says we should do this at all, we should try this, we should explore this, we should step outside of our comfort zone, but daddy never does this. I yeah. never want to be that kind of person. I want to be someone that my kids can look up to and be like, actually, you know what? I practice what I preach. If I don't have to say it at all, you can see me living it. So that relationship, so my marriage and my, um, my being a parent, those two areas have been really, really great for me to then take those principles into my corporate life and into what I do now. So that podcast, it was just about her. And we just shared some of her her journey, what she does now, to where she's been, to the different changes she's, she's stepped through. And it was just, uh, I think I just spent the whole episode just smiling. Like, it was, <laughs> but she shared so many lessons because we've spoken in a way that we don't, obviously the way that we talk at home is slightly different, but she shared a lot of lessons that when once it comes out, people can resonate with her so many levels. I mean, we talked about her and there's, from imposter, imposter syndrome to dealing with um, changes that happened um, last year when the pandemic happened and how that completely changed how she she looked at things and the work that she does. We talked about how um, she stepped outside of her, her comfort zone and how that was never never easy. We talked about her being young. She got married at, we got, she was married at 21. So we talked about what that was like when you get married at 21 and you got other people around you thinking like, What's going on with you? Like, this is when you're supposed to live your best life. Why are you getting married so young and navigating all of that? Or even the different times where I've stepped outside of my comfort zone and I want to get her opinion in it. I mean, it's easy for me to get up and speak and talk about, yeah, I did this and this is how I feel. But there's a partner right there next to you. When we talked about when we, when we had uh, when we had your episode, when, when you stepped out, I said, how was it like for your wife? Like, they, there's, there's another partner involved in that whole relationship dynamic that whatever decision you make has an impact on them. Mm-hmm. So it's how she felt about those things as well, which is very encouraging for the people who have partners who are either in corporate and stepping out or entrepreneurs and just handling that emotional baggage, that emotional side of things is the best way to put it. So that was that was really special. I love that. I just want to touch on the the lessons bit because I was sort of thinking my own question. I was thinking about some of the stuff I've learned from, from this podcast. And I think for me, the one that I was thinking about is uh, Norris the Boss Windross, which we did a session uh, around. He was the garage DJ, still is a garage DJ. Um, 
Uh, he hates it because he gets called the grandfather of Garage, but he doesn't want to be known as He was talking about the tools that he now has compared to what he used to have. Mm. He was talking about the lessons and how it's these tools he help who help him. They're, they're lessons he's had, but they've turned into tools in his head. Mm. I just want to lean on your sort of your coaching and your other business, Shopee, in terms of developing people to learn these lessons and build tools. Yeah. Um, could you just talk us a little about like, I just want to imagine you're working one on one with someone. Um, how, how can that how can that work? If someone's listening, thinking I've enjoyed the podcast, um, but also, do you know what? I think I'm going to take this a bit more serious. Maybe drop your note on LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. Like, can you just sort of bring it to life? Because some I still think I had this weird thought before I interviewed you today that I wonder if the people who need coaching most don't get coaches and the people who need coaching least get coaches. And the only reason I said, and I don't know if this is true because I'm not a coach, but I was just thinking because just the going out to reach out for a coach is, is showing that you're open to this sort of stuff and you have an open mind. So there's kind of two questions there. One, I'll let you come back to the second one later, but one, can you just talk us a bit through how that mindset shift in coaching could work based on lessons? And then, I'll come back to that final question around who needs coaching the most or whatever. But if you could just talk us a little bit through how a mindset shift would work. Yeah, I think the, the principle of mindset shift working is, and I'm going to use me as, as an example. Um, so yesterday I did, do you remember, do you know, um, do you remember Insanity? I saw, I saw your <laughs> picture up this <laughs> So I'm going to use that as an example. So many, many years ago, five, six years ago, me and my wife did Insanity by, um, by Sean T. It was massive, wasn't it? For ages, it was massive. It was huge. It was huge. And it was absolutely crazy where basically for about 40 minutes, you're going flat out yeah. and doing different exercises, plyometrics, all that kind of stuff. So when we did that years ago, I don't know what, I think pre prior to that, I didn't, apart from playing um, football, I hadn't done much exercise. So when we yeah. did it, we felt, or I felt like I was going to die. It was absolutely, I mean, we were just out on the floor, absolutely just passed out. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But then when I fast forward between then and now, when I did it yesterday again, it was still hurt and was still painful. And, and trust me, I've got pains in places. I'm like, what is going on here? And it was still painful. But the difference was I lasted and made it through. Mm. And the biggest difference between the shift between then and now hasn't been physical, it's been mental. Mm. Between then and now, I've learned how to, I got into running. Yeah. And running taught me that pushing through, taught me about the fact that when you think that your your body's telling you to quit and give up, actually your mind is stronger than your, than your body. And if you can get past that block, you can make it through. And I took that principle and I applied it to to life. And now what that's helped me do is start to see opportunities rather than seeing problems. Yeah. Where the mindset shift comes in, it's when you're working with um, a coach, my clients work come to work with me, for example, there is something that's either burning at home, at work, it's how do I grow, how do I develop, how do I navigate this, this space? And my role is not to give you all the answers because that's not what I do. It's actually to ask you the right questions that gets you thinking differently. And because I'm not emotionally involved in it, 
I can see things from a completely different perspective. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having a coach. A coach asks you those questions that get you thinking that, oh, I could do this or I could do that. Or I have got several options. And like, well, you say you have several options. What's the most important things to you? Mm. It's one, two, three. Okay, these are the top three things that are important to you. Actually, all those options, which are those three things satisfy that? Actually, it's only two. Okay, now you don't have several options. Now you're down to two. Of those two, so you kind of then ask those different questions. And then it's, oh, that's what's really important to me. That's mm. why I'm doing this, whether it's down to people, <laughs> it's a funny thing, especially the last 12 months or so, there have been a lot of people I've worked with and they've ended up leaving their jobs. At the start, it's I really want to grow and thrive in this in this position, in this work I'm, I'm in. But then we start talking and having a conversation. It's like, actually, my values and the way I see life and what I want to do and accomplish are not aligned to where this company's headed. And now I want to step out of that and go into something else. And it's like, but then stepping out, that means stepping outside your comfort zone, facing your fear. For some of them, who especially those who are high levels of C-suite, that's a lot of money. And it's like, what's going to happen if I leave this? And what's that new organization going to be like? And all those different fears and anxieties that come up, which stop a lot of us from doing things or taking actions. My role as a coach is to help you navigate that. It's to close that feedback that says that, actually, if I, if I take this step, I might go in there and absolutely hate it. And then I sat me within two months. And then I've just lost the opportunity I've been in for the last 18 years. Therefore, I'm not going to feed my family. Oh, my gosh all those different fears that stack up is actually, you know, let's, let's close that loop. Here's, that could happen, fair enough. But what happens if you stay here? How, how, how happy or unhappy would you be? Okay, I'm going to be very unhappy. Who does that have an impact on? Myself, yes. Your family, yes. Do you really want that? No, okay. So what are the steps you can take? It could be this. If you did go to that role and you did get fired, do you still have your experience? Yes, you do. Could you get something else potentially? Yeah, actually, I could really, really quickly. Okay, so there's so many different questions you can ask that start to knock down those different fears that you have. And yeah. then you close that loop, and then it's like, okay, now I want to take that. Once you've done that first time around, you've moved from having a very fixed mentality of everything's an obstacle to, okay, things are going to be hard. This is not a wishy-washy, everything in life is great. It's things are going to be hard. You're going to suffer. You're going to fail. But... I'm failing rather than being a failure. Yeah. It's navigating that space. Is now my mindset is a lot more open to opportunities. And when you have that way of li living life, it's a completely freeing way because so many more things, you're like, oh, wow. Before I'd be like, I'm not, I don't want to do that because that's too hard. But now it's actually, are there ways that I can navigate this? Yeah. Now, if you're a senior leader, you having that kind of mentality then flows into the people that you're leading. Because now it no longer becomes, I don't want to listen to my team. They always moan and complain. It's, okay, what are the opportunities I have in my people? Yeah. How well do I really know my people? Can I start to see them as individuals? Yeah. What you should be naturally doing, but it doesn't happen. Rather than seeing them as, I want to have a one-size-fits-all approach. And yeah. if I do that, how, did, how does that then help them grow? Because you've got now an open mindset, you now start to apply that to other people. They now start to grow, develop, and makes your life so much easier. So true. We, I mean, had that with one of our team. We we did just an exercise because um, obviously we've got the platform that we can use. But I remind everyone the the only tools you actually ever need is is the ability to communicate with people, which you can do without any technology. But um, one of my team, when we basically speaking about what makes them happy, and engaged, which we were just doing without technology. One of my teams says, 
Um, they basically want to know at the beginning of the month what the number most important thing is they need to achieve. And then they want to be left alone and the freedom to just get on with it. And then I had another team member who wants to check in a couple of times a day, wants clear clarity once a week. Now, if I treated them both the same, I'd, I'd definitely lose one. <laughs> and I don't want to lose either of them. So it's just a good, I, I really resonated with that point about understanding the people as individuals. And your starts, your starts with you as, as a leader. I mean, even the way that you, you think in, I have two people here and I recognize that they are different. If you trace back that to how you've approached work and life, it's because you also have a way of like, I've been in those shoes where people have tried to treat me the same as everyone else. Yeah. And that hasn't really worked out. So what will happen, and that's how the whole index started when you stay measuring stuff, but what would happen if we treated people as individuals? What would happen if we cared, really generally cared about people? But fundamentally, it's a mindset thing. Because yeah. if your mindset was, I couldn't care less. If your mindset was, ah, oh, people are so complex and I can't be bothered with yeah. them. All of those, which is a very, very fixed way of looking at life because there's nothing ever changes, nothing ever grows. You wouldn't be doing happening, but you'd be doing on, on happy index because yeah. that's not the way of, of approaching things. I wouldn't surprise the company out there because there are a lot of people who would yeah. definitely fit into the unhappy index because they are scared to step out of what they do right now, even though they're not happy there. Yeah. I think I'm reflecting now, I'm thinking about, I, one of the things I think about on a regular basis is how weird people are, including myself. And that, that I've, I've turned that in, everyone, I think I've, conf con I've I, I confirmed in my head that everyone's a weirdo, including myself. But what I say to myself is, that is like the best thing, that's why I love working with people. Because mm -hmm. we've all got these weird things, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we do. And that, for me, is the interesting thing about life. Like, if everyone was exactly the same and did everything the same and, and fought all the same, you'd be leading like a robot army, wouldn't you? Which would just, I mean, everyone would just get bored of everything really quickly. So I just embrace the weirdness now of all of us, including myself, which is we've got all these weird quirks, haven't we? And that's what that's what's brilliant. So I love it when I find out weird stuff about people that I'm working with or, or, or myself. So it makes it's and the, the weird quirks make relationships so much more special because yeah. it actually shows that you have taken time to listen and remember. Yeah. And it's those little little tiny things like, oh wow, that person actually remembers that or oh wow, this person remembers even I'm I'm thinking coffee's a good one. I don't I don't drink coffee. Yeah. But when I used to have, when I used to, um, back in the day when I used to go to office spaces, um, yeah. and you and you bring coffee in for members of the team, and me remembering what everyone else wanted, and just without without having them have to tell me, and then like there you go, there you go, there you go. For them, it was like this person, this person really does remember and care about me, and we really, really like that. And that's just something that I don't have zero interest in, but it's about my team, and it's yeah. those. Little, little tiny things, let alone the quirks that people have, that if you can remember as a leader, it just sets you apart. Well, one of the people I'm thinking about, it'd be funny if she listens to this now, is um, someone who used to work at my HR team called Sandip Corgill. And it's a really good example of, unconscious, of, of uh, an unconscious bias 
that you could have about someone's height because Sandip is a um is is a HR professional um but is is quite a small person and when she told me that secretly like not secretly she's also like a part-time police officer but you could but I just never could have imagined that that's what she did and then like hearing her stories about how she's on the beat and she's confronting people that are like twice the size of her about breaking the law and stuff like that and it was it's just those things isn't it when you find out about people and I, I respected it even more than I already did when I found out about this extra part of her life that she never shared it with anyone she never told anyone it just what? came out at one point and it's something it was a part of her life none of us really knew about and it was like wow how did that come out I think it was um I just wanted I was just asking what she was doing on a holiday and she was like oh I actually uh, I actually work on my holiday and I was like oh what because I sometimes like help out my brother or something when I'm on holiday. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then and then it came out, but she'd never made a big thing of it because she's a very humble person. Mm. But I was just I was just fascinated. But um show people so to, to close, I'm gonna go back to that question that I was thinking in my head this morning. Do you think that the people who don't get coaching are sometimes the people who need it the most and the people that reach out for a coach? are the people who need it the least or is that too simplistic um it is to a point it is it is um too simplistic but i would agree there are people there are certain people who definitely need it but don't get it i've um <laughs> i've had the I've been blessed enough to work in certain organizations where the ceo well, I right say, you know what, my my C-suite team, they need they need coaching. But me, I'm great. I need nothing. <laughs> and then you start working with um with the teams so either doing um coaching with them as a group, as individuals, or on a wider, like a year-long kind of program. And what starts to emerge very, very quickly, just through the conversations and things coming up, is there are a lot of behaviors from that senior person that are being cascaded down, which his number two team don't necessarily agree with, and they're trying to push back. But because he's very much, this is how I see things, it's very hard. So yeah. now they're the filter between between all of that. And obviously they still have other people below them. And this is a massive organization. I mean, some of them are like 20, 30, 40,000 kind of organizations. So imagine you have an organization like that where the top of the top believes he's perfect and doesn't need any help. Those yeah. below him are like, we need help and that's great and we'll happily take it. But yeah. he also needs some help. And you have yeah. one of the conversations with him and you're like, yeah, you definitely need coaching. But the ego wouldn't let you. There's, and that's, some, that's one of the biggest things I've seen. It's been around for you to take, admit that you need help. Some people, some people still see it as, it means I'm not good enough. Yeah. Which is like, ridiculous. Whereas it's actually recognizing the fact that I need help in this area because I'm not necessarily seen clearly enough. And then the flip side of that is there are other, um, I worked with a VC recently and their actually remit, which is very, very different to a lot of the industry is every um, company they invest in 
they get a coach for for that yeah. CEO. Because and can, they, like, can, they, can they pick their own coach? They can pick their own coach. Because I think that I, I think that's it. That's an important freedom element yeah. there. You don't. Yeah. People, yeah. I can imagine people being suspicious that the VC was putting a spy in there. Whereas <laughs> if you marry someone you can go and independently get, I think then that's cool. Yeah. So in fact, what they do is as part of the um, the money they invest in, they will not give them X amount for the purely aim that coaching and says it's your coaching budget that you got to have. Can we pull that VC out? Because VCs take get a bit of a rough time, including from people like me. Do you know the name of the VC? Because I do think that's good. Wow. I don't know the top of my head now. It was the ex um Atomico founder who's now set up his own thing. Um and I'll I've forgotten his name out of the top of my head. But um so he used to run he used to run Atomico with the guy that started Skype. Yeah. And then he now started his own um, VC about five or six years ago, and um, that's what he—that's what they do now. And, um, they're very intentional, and I, I asked him like when I started working, like why? Why did you do that? And he just said that because we've seen it happen so often where when it's too late is when coaches come in, and yeah. rather than do it then, let's do it from the start. Let's get that guidance yeah. and get that help because everyone, everyone needs it. Everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach, and I have people around me. That, like I said, it's when I'm in it, when I'm in something, I'm emotionally invested in it. So therefore, yeah. the way I see things is very, very different. And I have coaches who work, who I work with, who are like, actually, you know, it's a different perspective. Yeah. And that's what it's about. So completely agree. There are a lot of there are a lot of people who definitely need coaching, but don't get it until it's it's too late. And then you're firefighting yeah. and it still helps. But you could have done so much more if you kind of just sacrifice the ego you are humble and you recognize the fact that actually part of my learning growth and development is getting help rather than me think I need to know everything or I'm not good enough because I'm getting I'm getting coaching. And there are other people that I have who's reached out to me and after having a conversation with them, I'm like, actually I don't think you need this. You need either you need uh, either a mentor or a sponsor or, or something like that. But actually from a coaching perspective, this is not really what what you need. Um, and we've, we've had and have those real conversations with people because it's not just about just sat there and you're you're listening, asking questions. It's about actually how can you help this person move forward? And sometimes that involves that might involve a coach, and there are times when it doesn't involve a coach. And part of the growth or having the good coaches around you is to tell you that I'm just I'm not going to take your money because you don't need something. You need something really different from me, or you might not be coaching. You might need counselling or yeah. therapy it's recognizing the difference as well because there are times when people will come in and after talking to me like yeah you you need <laughs> therapy or counseling yeah not what you need for now that's that's afterwards i think I, I think i harnessed my ego to get me into to get a coach because i looked at football and i thought oh if you want to be the best footballer you want to work with the best coach so I think I managed to uh, keep my ego by looking at something else and looked at it as a uh, something like that. So I think I managed to get around it um, in a weird way. But two two questions for two minutes for us to wrap up, JP. Um, how important, um, I always say, and I don't know whether you say it from the other side, when I encourage my team to get a coach, one of the things that I say is look at all the different elements, blah, blah, blah. But final thing is chemistry. Yeah. Like if you don't feel the vibe with the coach and they don't feel the vibe with you, don't bother. Life's too short. Um, do you see that from a coach's perspective? Or is it am I giving out bad advice here? Is this based on my experience? That's that's brilliant advice. I mean, everyone I 
I work with, I always have a chemistry session with them at the start just to see if if the vibe's there. I mean, you need to work with someone that you know is, is going to push you. The way that they're going to approach the sessions are going to be aligned. For some people, me, I can, I'm very much action orientated and now I'm like, all right, we're going to, we're going to work and you're going to get some points. You're going to go away and do and come back. And one of the things I state in my contract is if after two sessions, you haven't done the homework, I start working with you. I love it. I love it. It's a waste of my time and your time. It's, yeah. it's, it's an hour roughly depending on, on the, on the contract, but you have to go away and do certain things. You have to execute. If you're not executing, we're just, talking i mean you can have a conversation on zoom for an hour with a friend of yours without without spending all that money so i'm very much like we're going to talk about it and i want to i want to see the action that progress and that change and yeah. that's really it really embeds because they come back and like oh i've done this and i'm actually seeing this happening or this is not happening and they can then talk and, and start to move forward so the chemistry um selection is i mean like i was saying before there's i still remember a couple of them i've had where after i came off the phone i'm like I'm drained. Yeah, it was just the chemistry session. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that because I have other clients I need to work with, and it's just like, yeah. oh, it's it was like pulling teeth. So, yeah. and there's sometimes when the clients are like, actually, you know what? We don't think you're the right person for us. We want something slightly different. I'm like, that's fair enough. Yeah. So it works, it works both ways. And last question: Is anyone, in your opinion, uncoachable? A narcissist mm. because for you to be coachable you need to be willing to listen rather than spend the time defending your position which someone with a narcissist tendencies will do that and it just it would turn into a almost like a debate <laughs> to, to, to be honest, where you're just like why why are you why are you here and you're literally not you're not here to listen you're not here to grow and there are people who um they are they've been given they've been advised to go to coaching or they've been told they have to go to coaching and they're there to tick a box so those so, uh, leader horse the water and all that sort of stuff isn't yeah. it so and again it's why if you're not if you're not here to grow you're not here to learn you're not here to listen you're not going to do the work you're just here to tick a box or go back and forth and be like yeah i've done this then all of that is an absolute um absolute waste waste of time and especially thing just going back to narcissists really really quickly is because there's a lack of empathy sometimes and there's this dehumanization that happens and they're so preoccupied with with self, yeah. it doesn't, that's why it doesn't, doesn't really go anywhere when it comes to coaching. And it's about learning to spot those kind of traits and the way that they're operating. And it's, oh, this person did this, this person, and it's always this person's fault. And no, okay, have you thought about it from a different perspective? How you could have, no, 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 it wasn't me, it was them. So, okay, this is, <laughs> this is what we're going with. And if yeah. it was someone else's fault, never yours, where's the growth? Yeah. I mean, you're perfect all the time, and if you're perfect all the time, you definitely don't need coaching. <laughs> I 
Oh well, I've just Google because you know I love the data. They the, the, the estimate is about five, up to five percent of people are narcissists. So so the, the data bit is we reckon about ninety five percent of people are coachable. So well, Shopi, we time is up. This has been absolutely amazing. Um, I know as ever we've gone off tangent a little bit, but <laughs> it is all totally relevant. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, and I can't wait to hear your uh, hear your half century episode. When's it When's it out, Trophy? In two weeks. So cool. I'll, yeah. I'll get this podcast out uh, in the next couple of days, so that when someone hears it's out in two weeks, they know that means two weeks and not one week ago or whatever. Now, and appreciate you just inviting back on that. It's always an absolute pleasure just to come and just have a great conversation with you. Thanks, Shopee. Gotta find the stop recording button now. <laughs> <laughs>